0: So let's get into an informative and empowering conversation. Hello and welcome to the Motherhood Village podcast. I am on with a very special guest. I have Dr. Susan Landers, who is a neonatologist and author. Susan, this is your second time on the podcast. So welcome. How are you doing today?
1: Oh, thank you. I'm doing fine. I appreciate the invitation. And I am so proud of what you've been doing with the Motherhood Village podcast.
0: Thank you so much. Before we jump into um, why we're speaking again, why don't you tell me what is your favorite book or one you would like to recommend? I know I asked you this last time, but I think it's so important to share resources, particularly with moms. Um, So yeah, what's a book that you'd like to recommend?
1: I just finished Lessons in Chemistry, which is a great book for any moms that are trying to hold down a job, raise a kid, figure out who they are. Um, It's by a new author, but it's kind of a feminist viewpoint of being a scientist. And I enjoyed the book very, very much.
0: Very Um, interesting do you know the author did you say the author do you know who the author is oh no it's okay i'll find out i didn't write it down
1: sorry (laughs) good i also just finished demon copperhead by barbara kingsolver and that was a wonderful book it's not uplifting though so i wouldn't recommend it to uh, moms who are in the thick of it um it's a book about child that's been in the foster care system and lives in Southern Kentucky and he's very poor and he gets addicted to opiates. Uh, That's his story. Sure. It's a great book about the opioid epidemic in our country, Mm -hmm. but I think lessons in chemistry is very uplifting for women who work for women who are moms. It's a real Go women, kind of book. <laughs> Love it. Who and
0: what has been a part of your motherhood village or been instrumental in your motherhood village?
1: I would have to say, my girlfriends, some of whom were neonatal ICU nurses, some of whom were other pediatricians, when I was a young working mother before social media. We had to sit together, eat lunch, grab a coffee, tell stories to each other, say, is this okay? Are you doing this? Is your kid doing this? And we had to support each other in person in a way that really felt wonderful. Mm -hmm. I felt like I wasn't alone. I felt like when my kids acted up, they were normal. I felt like when I had a problem with a certain child, it was typical or my friends had seen it, too. So the personal connections that I had with my friends when I was in my 30s and early 40s were just crucial to my feeling like I had a motherhood village.
0: Sure. That's awesome. So the first time you came on, we talked about... um, your time as a neonatologist and how taxing that was, and how you had to juggle being a mom but having a very high, stressful, demanding career, um, and all of the effects of that. And you had written right. a book, which I was the proud owner of, and which was a great book. And then I actually um, raffled it off as a prize for the motherhood summit that oh. I had. I put it in a basket, yes, because um, when Wonderful. I when I read great books, I like to kind of pay it forward, right. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. So you wrote another book, though, called Understanding the Stress You Feel as a Mother and Learning How to Cope, a guidebook for working mothers. What was the inspiration to writing this book?
1: I have been uh, posting on social media and reading other posts um, uh, written by mothers and psychologists that are in that uh, realm and listening to podcasts, and writing a newsletter, and getting comments from working mothers about what they're going through. Not only that, but listening to my own daughter, who's 36, she's a pediatric ICU nurse, and she has two children, two and six years old. And I watch her struggling with the balance of her nursing shift time with her kids, time with her husband, and now she's embarking on a master's uh, program to become a nurse practitioner. And it all reminds me of me. You know, you have kids, you're busy, you have a full-time job, you add on extra things, you try to make time for your husband. And hearing the comments on social media and listening to my daughter talk and her friends talk, and what they share with me, I have learned that most working mothers, probably most mothers, are highly stressed. Mm-hmm. We've come through the pandemic, but we didn't learn much more than how to uh, do online learning. Our kids missed a lot by not being in school. We missed a lot by not being in the workplace. Some of us really like working at home. And, you know, there's that tension between are you more productive yes. working remotely or in the office. But I'm hearing all of these concerns about moms and the stress they're under. And it, it's varying. It's stress from work. It's stress from relationships. It's stress from children. Sometimes it's stress from... Taking care of older parents. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to put together a little guidebook about the sources of stress and about the ways that I knew worked for me and had some scientific backing. I really, I'm still kind of a nerdy doctor. I really like to recommend things mm-hmm. that studies have shown that they work. And so I wrote the book in a way to make it. Here are the common problems we face as mothers. And here are some really tried and true ways to cope with your stress, deal with your situation, help yourself, uh, feel better. And so it's just a short guidebook. It's not very long and it has, I, I created a little workbook to go with it so that moms could fill in the blanks with daily goals, daily activities, whatever practices they were doing to take care of themselves. It's sort of a little package deal that I'm offering. And um, I'll tell you though, Nicole, as I'm converting that ebook into a paperback, I'm thinking about adding a little more to it. And you could give me some feedback on this. I'm thinking about adding a little bit about the stress response, how humans respond to stress, what it does inside our bodies, how we adapt to that or or relax. Um, I'm not sure that's a concept that a lot of people know about, and I'm wondering if that might be helpful to women who perceive their lives are stressful.
0: I would say yes. Well, first off, the the ebook um, or book, especially with the guidebook or the workbook, sounds fantastic, and I think it is something that's desperately needed. I think moms need all of the resources that they can get. Um, particularly working mothers, um, in that aspect of, to your point, you're trying to juggle the responsibilities outside of home, right. Of, of to your employer or to your, to your business, if you're a business owner, and then of course juggling the responsibilities you have at home. But to me, um, and I like the idea of the stressors and kind of what that does. One of the things that I think we don't talk about enough that has come up a couple of times on the podcast is the overstimulation of mothers, of being overly stimulated. Right. Right. And that's something maybe to tap into and how maybe that can go with the stressors because, and to me, we call it overstimulation, but um, in one of my support groups that came up and some of the new moms, uh, new mom to bees got a little like, whoa, what is that? Because the moms with one or more children and already had children, we were like, oh, the overstimulation. And If my husband's trying to talk to me and i have my son saying mommy i'm like listen one of you guys have to stop because i'm about to like lose my s-h-i-t right right?" um it's that over just stimulation so i was talking to i don't know if you're familiar with her Her name is Leo stone Um, we actually have um, a podcast ready to come out she did a tedx talk um she's based in australia she did a tedx talk called how to raise emotionally intelligent children And Uh I saw this TEDx, loved it, reached out to her. She agreed to be on the podcast. We talked briefly about overstimulation. And one of the things she had mentioned was, well, it makes sense why moms are overstimulated, especially now because we have the internet, we have our cell phones, we're doing the doctor's appointments, we're doing everything under the sun along with everything else. So that might be something to tap into because I don't think we talk about that aspect enough and then what it does physically. Like I said, for me... I know I get very overwhelmed and very overstimulated very quickly. And I never experienced that before until recently. So maybe dive in a little bit about that.
1: Well, I don't have a lot of um, background in the clinical studies that describe that situation, but I bet they exist. And I can tell you that stress, comes in many different forms. And all of us perceive stress, whether it's verbal, visual, tactile, proprioceptive, emotional, all of the above. And so when our bodies are adapting to stress, Mm -hmm. they're revving up to fight or flight or freeze. And then when you add another stressor on top of the stressor that you're adapting for, your body is not capable of dealing with that on multiple layers. And that's one of the things that contributes to chronic, unrelenting stress. And that leads to burnout. So what you're describing, this chaos inside our bodies, whether it's too much touch, sure. too much noise, too much social media, too much guilt about not spending enough time with your husband or mm-hmm. partner, whatever emotionally is overwhelming us, kind of Uh, adds on compounds it it, right like a compound interest it does compound exactly and so if our body is trying to deal with the first thing the pot boiling over or the baby crying and then the second thing is the toddler fell off the bicycle and the third thing is the project at work that's due and the fourth thing is dinner's not ready and the fifth thing is your husband walks in and wants to give you a big hug and you're going leave me alone and so what does your body do what do we do emotionally to help our body sort through all of that clearly it's a it's a overstimulation clearly it's telling your brain and your adrenal glands which is where we make cortisol, a stress hormone, um, it's telling our body to stay revved up. Makes and sense. unless we know how to breathe, use breathing techniques, unless we get out of the house, unless we get into the sunshine and nature, unless we just have five minutes alone to ourselves, Unless we can call and talk to a friend, unless we can put down our phone and not scroll Instagram, unless we can tell our husband, honey, I love you. I'm just having the worst day ever. Just give me an hour. Unless we can do the things that help us stay afloat, that initiate what's called the relaxation response. There's actually a physiologic relaxation response that you can bring about if you take deep breaths, if you get outside for a walk, if you go in the sunshine, if you hug a baby. I mean, you you might be overly hugged, but if you're not, maybe hugging your baby is a good way to relax. So I think women need to understand that that. That compounding of stress is huge and that it will require even more um, of our effort to relax and to deal with it.
0: No, that makes sense. And I think um, I had gotten really good advice and I don't even think I, I take heed to it as much as I should because I run around all the time. But, um, actually wasn't even a piece of advice. It was what someone did. We were about to get on a, on a phone call, a meeting to possibly collaborate. And she was like, um, before we start, can we just take some deep breaths? I don't know. I don't know this woman from, you know, anywhere. It was our first meeting and I paused and I was like, Oh, sure. And she's like, can we just, she was like, because I just ran on this meeting with, after being with my daughter and I'm sure you Uh just ran uh from somewhere. And I said, no, I did. She was like, so can we just stay in this moment and breathe? And I said, I would love that. So we talked about that. And she was like, yeah, I think if we took better care to kind of pause before we jump to the next thing, she's like, I think that would help us more. And then there was another person who had mentioned that afterwards. I don't remember who it is. um, And I think they were famous. And they had alluded to that, right? That just kind of pause. If you're going from one meeting to the next, if you're going... From, you know, wherever you are, because in essence, you're taking and transferring that energy with you. Right. So think about it with the moms before you walk into your household, maybe take a deep breath before, you know, you're going to have the dogs, the kids, the husband or whatever it is, kind of get yourself ready. And I have to, to your point of what you said before, actively remind myself to do that. Because as you're saying that, I'm like, that's my life. It's a constant I'm a constant from one thing to the next to one thing to the next. And at the end of the day, I am not I have I've never given my breath, my brain a moment to to breathe. And um, I'm actually actually now that I'm talking to you about this, I'm like, goodness, what would be the ramifications of that in the future? Right? Which is the stressors getting higher. So It,
1: it all correlates. Exactly. It does. It does. And we don't talk much. About breathing techniques, and I'm no expert on it, but I will tell you that when I was in trouble in the neonatal ICU, when a baby was doing poorly, if there was an emergency, Mm -hmm. if we were short staffed, if I felt stressed outside of my comfort zone, somehow I knew that either I needed to just step outside. Just get out of the unit for three minutes or go to the back and take some deep breaths. Somebody must have taught me that, and it was so helpful. Just breathe. Just breathe. And they're very, there are all these different techniques of breathing, and I don't know what they all are, but any kind of deep breathing signals your body, the sympathetic nervous system, to relax.
0: Yeah, it does. And it helps. It, it and I does, think, and I think if we talk, as you're saying it, if anyone's listening to this, think about any moments of when you are, um, or have ever taken a moment to just breathe when it has come to you. How you are like, oh, well, that helps for a second. Or right. the same way we talk to our children, you know, of saying, "Well, just breathe. Let's kind of breathe through it." We yeah, have to do the same. Slow down. Thing.
1: Take a breath.
0: <laughs> yes, it's like we have to constantly remind ourselves of that. May I ask um, with with the ebook? Um, how important is it? Cause I, I think if I saw when I was kind of doing a little bit more research on this, um, you had mentioned the, what you really wanted to tap into, was kind of the social connections and the relationships, right? That village. Um, yeah. now yeah. I'm seeing it even more. I mean, I'm, I'm about to start my third support group, which is insane to me. Um, with people, oh, wonderful. with people reaching out like, Hey, what about this area? Because there is a need for that. I think moms, women, um, people, truthfully, I, I wish they had more of this for dads. Um, I think people just need connection. What, um, how, uh, how important is it in the research that you've done or even with your own experience to tap into our social connections and to enhance our relationships?
1: It is crucial. It is one of the most important things. As I said, that was my definition of my motherhood village. There's some new data that shows us that Social comparisons on social media are actually detrimental to our happiness. That we're human and we compare ourselves to other others. And even when we think we're not, we are saying to ourselves, I'm not quite measuring up here. And the negative thoughts start flowing and flowing. But when you're with people you know, you like, you trust, your best co-workers, your good friends, your playdate mom, when you're with those people face to face, it is totally different. You're not socially comparing, comparing, you're connecting and sharing. Mm-hmm. And so the one thing that all we wor- all women, all mothers can do to make their lives better right away is to talk to a friend, call a friend, visit with a friend, visit with a coworker. I mean, like five sure. ten minutes, short visit, and not scroll social media. Social media has not been shown to do anything for us like real human connection. You don't even have to touch the person you're talking to, having coffee. You just have to look them in the eye. And say, you know, I've been there, too. I know exactly how you feel. And that creates a relaxation response. It is uh, calming to hear someone else tell you that you are normal, that they have felt what you're feeling, and that they understand. We don't get that on social media. And I, my my one desire, if I was queen of the world, I would turn off social media and I would turn on motherhood groups, yeah. like what you're doing. Yeah. Motherhood groups, whether it's play dates or church groups or work groups, peers, co-workers, um, there's just so much gold in that gathering of sharing human experience experience that cannot be replicated in any other way. It's I don't think.
0: No, I agree. Um, yeah, no, there's something about, like you said, of just hearing, yeah, I see you, I feel you, I hear you. Mm-hmm. Um it's funny because I think it's the social media is the gift and the curse. It allows us to connect, right? Moms can hear about the group that I have, but it isn't that right. end all be all. Um I had heard right. the other day on the radio someone said, Yeah, you know, I had to Realize I'm talking to my mom on Facetime and thinking, okay, I don't need to see her because I talked to her on Facetime. And he was like, he had to get out of his mind because he thought, well, I've seen her, so we're good. Where before it was just a phone call, and he had to get out of that to say, no, that's still not a connection. That's still not the same as being face to face in the presence of someone that you care about, or to your point, um, someone that might be going through the same experiences as you. But I think it's again that reminder because we're connected all the time. We think, oh, we're connected but we're really not right. We're connected. We're not, right. we're not um connecting on the deeper levels that I think we need to, to survive. You also mentioned um about being kinder to ourselves. What are some tips to moms that you can get, that you can give so that a mom can kind of remind herself often to be more kinder and to remain positive. I know that's hard to do. Um
1: it is. Life is it waves, is. right? Yeah. So Yeah. yeah and i'm I'm probably really guilty of negative self talk, and I didn't learn until I was quite a bit older to be easy on myself to give myself a break to give myself some grace to say to myself, "I know you're really doing the best you can um I'm not sure I totally believed that when I told myself those things because my perfectionist workaholism mm-hmm. uh Psyche always jumped out. But I tried hard to learn to curb the negative self-talk. I would say, I'm doing the best job I can. I'm a good enough mother. I'm a good doctor. Um, I have good friends. I'm a good friend. And I learned that talking to myself like I would talk to a friend, helped me feel better. Mm -hmm. Taking some time alone, if I had to step outside of my workplace, take some deep breaths, say what's going on. If somebody else popped out and said, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm okay. Thanks. I'm just taking some breaths here. Getting some space. The things that we do that take care of ourselves, are recognizing when we're overdone, recognizing when we're stressed out, saying to ourselves, I really am doing the best I can and trying not to feel guilty. Now, here I'm I'm <laughs> confessing again, I'm the queen of guilt. I always said, oh, you should be doing more. I don't know how I could have done any more. I did as much as I possibly could do with work and with children and family and husband. Mm-hmm. And we ask ourselves to do more than we are capable of. Yes. So, the way to be kinder to ourselves is to say, What I'm doing is hard. The reason I'm tired is because I really work very hard. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to chase after three kids and hold a full time job and be a wife and a mother. That's not easy. And I think we need to say to ourselves more often, this is difficult. This is not a simple solution. And we all try to do the best that we can. I have never met a mother, Mm -hmm. even a mother on drugs. I have never met a mother who did not want what was best for her child. Mm -hmm. And 40 years, I've never met a mother who did not want what was best for her child. And and so we all want that. And we all try to do that. We just need to give ourselves a break and say to ourselves, this is tough. Mm-hmm. This is stressful. I'm overdone. Mm-hmm. I need to vent. I need to relax. I need to walk outside. Give ourselves permission i think to just take five as you said just take five or ten minutes
0: i agree and to ask for help right to not be afraid oh definitely ask ask for for help help. um now definitely i know you're a grandma and the reason why i'm asking is because you're mentioning um and again um just mentioning our previous conversation where you said there were times in your career you felt like wow you know somewhere, something is lacking, right? Trying to be my best at work, but then I feel like I'm not giving um, enough of myself to my family. Now that you're a grandma, what have you learned with your older adult children and being a grandma? And what is your favorite part about being a grandmother?
1: I'll start with my favorite part, which is savoring the moment Mm -hmm. of watching the kids play and learn, and grow, but mostly savoring watching my daughter be a mother because she's different from me. She's high-strung like me, and she's a perfectionist, but she's a really great mother, and she's very affectionate and very tuned into her kids' needs, so savoring the moments of watching her be a mom, and I'll tell you a great story about this. She, as I said, works in the pediatric ICU, and she was working three or four 12-hour shifts a week and had started her master's and had the two kids then age one and a half and five and a half, and her husband worked full-time. And she said to me, Mom, I'm just overwhelmed. And I said, I know it's so hard. You're working so hard, and you spend all your free time with the kids. She said, really, I'm just, I just don't feel good about this. I I think I've decided to work part-time, to just work two shifts a week while I'm doing my master's so I can have a, enough time to study while the kids are in school and then have time with them. And I said, that is a great idea. She said, really? You don't think it's bad that I'm pulling back? I said, no, I think it's smart that you're pulling back. I think it's wonderful that you recognize that you were too overly stressed and you decided to pull back to two shifts a week. There are some people listening who won't be able to do that, who will not be able to to lessen their load at work. And And for those people, I guess I would say, give yourself a break whenever you can. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you can't go to work part time, you can at least ask for help more often. Sure. As you
0: said. And to find that village, I've talked to so many women and a lot of women came from situations that didn't have, let's say a mother like you who maybe was nearby that can spend time with the grandkids or like my parents or my mother-in-law that we're so very, very thankful to have. And my sister, you know, like we're going away um, to Miami this uh, Saturday and he's going to spend the day with my sister and niece, right? My son. So I know a lot of women don't have that, but there've been a lot of women that were very resilient in finding their village. They said, "Okay, well, if if I don't have my parents near me, if I don't have this near me, I got to make a way. And they searched out for their village in whatever capacity that was, um, whether it was neighbors, to your point, people that they worked with. um, And then they kind of were like, hey, can you pick up the kids today and I'll do it next. And you just find the village. So what I would say to anyone listening to this is to find that village, I think. We do feel so isolated at times, even with myself, when I technically have that village per se, um, I still feel isolated. Right. Um, And don't want to always ask for help or all feel guilty and say, oh, my mother-in-law just watched him. So let me go to my mom. But then I know they're tired. Of still kind of having that in my mind. Um, But you have to actively search if it's not there for you. There's nothing wrong. Look at mom groups on this is where the benefit of social media, right? Maybe there's some mom groups, maybe there's some mommy meetup groups, talk to your pediatrician. I've let my pediatrician know about the support groups that I have, like actively seek. And I think you'd be surprised as to what is out there and that can help you.
1: Good. Yeah, great. That is the best idea i've heard in a long time yeah just actively because seek actively seek all of us need help and asking for help is just another way of saying i matter and i don't want to get too overdone and i can't do everything i'm only human and the friends will come out of the woodwork
0: 100% um you know are you familiar with simon cynic Yes. Okay. He said a quote, and he said, "To ask for help is the greatest act of service you can give somebody."
1: Oh, that's wonderful. I love that.
0: Oh my God, that is so profound because it's so true in essence. You asking for help is allowing them to be a certain, and that's the greatest act of service that anyone can have. Right? That's what we're here for. Um, and that has stayed with me. Now, um, part of that question though was, what is now your favorite part? Now that you are a mom with older adult children with the grandmother aspect. How do you juggle that? Are you, are you, um, have you changed some of your style of parenting now that you are a grandmother and do you look back at things like, how does that come into play?
1: I have learned to not say anything unless I'm asked.
0: (laughs) You sound like my mom and all of her friends. She's like, yeah, we don't jump in. We just let it.
1: (laughs) Let it roll <laughs> because my daughter and my son too, he's married. They ask me for advice, but they only ask me when they want to know what I think. They don't always want to know what I think. Mm-hmm. And so that's real different from the way it was when you're raising children, you want to mold them and help their character development and teach them right from wrong and good from bad and you're always saying things to make sure they understand the lessons in life that they're learning as they're growing but that's not what you do with adult children
0: (laughs) but that's great that you were and let me ask like was that something you had to easily jump into or was it hard for you to have that because i i've heard that it's a little difficult and i I think my mom and i kind of have that because where i think she still thinks and i'm like mom you know, it's not, it's not an offense that I can't take it personal. I think, you know, I am an adult now. I'm going to be 40. So there are certain things I absolutely want to come to you for. And there's other things me and my husband have to decide on our own and come together. I mean, I always eventually tell her, but it doesn't always need a response that I need. Like you said, like as if I was 12 or 13 years old.
1: Right. So when I first started posting on social media, my daughter would say, did you post that because you think I'm doing so-and-so? I go, oh, my God, no, no, I just did that. <laughs> Bless her heart. With her first baby, she had so much trouble with breastfeeding. The baby had a tongue tie. And she knew that I was a breastfeeding expert from my previous life. And that, you know, I had written a lot about and taught courses on breastfeeding. And she said, Mom, I'm just so sorry. I know I'm disappointing you. And I said, Honey, you're doing the best you can. She ended up pumping and bottle feeding her breast milk. I said, What you're doing is a lot harder than breastfeeding. And you're doing a perfectly good job. And don't let anybody tell you that it is easy to breastfeed a baby who can't suck normally. It's not. And so I I got my first glimpse. Of how to not get in her face yeah. when she was having trouble with breastfeeding. I had such huge compassion for her because it had been so easy for me, and she was struggling so much. I just wanted to be there and say, "You can do this. You can do this." But. It was hard. It was too hard.
0: Sure. No, that's great because I have a lot of listeners who aren't just moms of littles that their kids might be going to college. Their kids might be, you know, coming into this empty nester phase. I have friends of mine who started having kids in their 20s. Like I said, I'm going to be 40. So they have high school kids. Like it's actually even mind boggling for me to say that, but they have come to me. They're like, you know, talk to us older, to the moms with older kids, you know, because it's a big change from, and I can imagine and probably would get me emotional when I really, really sit to think about it, to go from when you're the, you know, the light of their life <laughs> and needing uh-huh. everything to then slowly being like, oh, wait a minute, this is what I'm here for to help guide them to be independent, to be this and, you know, and then actually seeing it happen in real time. That's got to be a very, whew, very mind-blowing. It is. and your,
1: And the practice that we go through as mothers is the teenage years, because as they get older and older, they do not want to hear what we have to say. And then when they're adults, they really don't want to hear what we have to say unless they ask us. And it is a hard lesson for some people, but um, I, I think I'm doing okay. <laughs> I don't, I don't think i hurt her feelings. She did say I posted once about how much you can, drink alcohol when you're breastfeeding and how to do the timing so that you have low alcohol levels in your bl- blood. And she said, did you post that because I have a glass of wine when I'm breastfeeding? I said, no, no. But that gave me the idea because I know a lot of moms have a glass of wine when they're breastfeeding. Sure. And she said, okay. I said, look, Anne. if you, if I think you're doing something wrong, I'm probably going to tell you you're doing great. She said, okay, thanks.
0: <laughs> and that's, and that's, I'm sure a typical, you know, parent child relationship in that aspect, right? The child then thinking, Right. and I'm sure she posted, right. um, Susan, uh, how can people connect with you? How can people purchase the book? Obviously I put this all in the show notes and then any other final thoughts as we wrap up here?
1: Oh, thanks. Um, my website, susanlandersmd.com, if you go there and you type in uh, the website uh, forward slash burnout and tap, B-U-R-N-O-U-T, it will take you to a free checklist to gauge your symptoms and give you a score. It's very quick. It's only 21 items. There is also an assessment, a self-assessment tool that I've put on my resources page. The ebook book is available on the products page. So I would invite people just to go to my website and kind of look around. There are lots of free resources. There are some that are very inexpensive. I have a blog where I post all sorts of interesting things to working moms and new moms. So the best way to get in touch with me is through one of those resources on my website.
0: Awesome. Thank you. And it is a great website. I know you do a lot of research um, from remembering from our first conversation that you do a lot of research. You've written a lot of Um, was it scholarly articles? You've written a lot too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you have a lot. So that's awesome that, you know, you're able to give back even in that way as far as the educational piece, right? Of really coming with some. um, Thank
1: you. Thank uh, you. I'm glad you you noticed that because a lot of people are out there giving advice without expertise. And I think it's really important for us to uh, listen more closely to those who do have professional expertise.
0: I agree. And I'm putting together my own resource list for moms that come to the support group. Oh, so your, your website will be there. Um, oh, great. Yes, Thanks. you're welcome. So Susan, any other final thoughts to the motherhood village community?
1: I think we should all learn to give ourselves a little room, a little space, a little grace and say to yourself, I'm doing the best that I can. I'm a good enough mother. I love my children. I'm trying to do everything for everybody. And that's not easy. Say, repeat that. Repeat after me. Say that, say that to yourself when you get bogged down.
0: I love it. Thank you so much, Susan, for coming on, for doing this again. And um, yeah, continued blessings to you for love and light. Thank you. Thanks, Nicole. You take care. You too. Thank you for listening to this impactful episode of the Motherhood Village podcast. Subscribe to my show so you'll never miss a future episode. You may also rate and review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with someone that can use it as part of their motherhood village. Remember, your village can take up many forms and you do not have to do it alone. Connect with me at themotherhoodvillage.com. Blessings to you for love and light.